Well, hello again. I'm Pete Torriello. And I'm Maureen Torriello. And we welcome you once again to the Sonic Boomers podcast. And this is our first podcast under the new name for the show. Really nothing else is going to change. Maybe one or two little tweaks here and there. But it's basically the same show that you've come to know over the last year and a half. But we decided that we needed to make a name change on the show, Maureen. And why did we do that? Well, we was doing a little research because, you know, as always with aim of any podcast is you want to get a lot of listeners. And we had a steady number every week and it wasn't really growing. So we started researching what does it take to grow your podcast? And we realized that we needed to have something in the title that was searchable and that uh, would gain us more listeners yeah. uh, that were randomly looking for podcasts. And so we came up with the Sonic Boomers. The idea, of course, being that Maureen and I are both baby boomers, and every week we get Sonic talking about whatever we pull off the top of our heads. Or someplace else. <laughs> and very often straight from the heart, and that hasn't changed. And this week's topic is conversation overheard in a diner. Yes. Okay. We're guilty. We were eavesdropping. But come on. Who doesn't? Doesn't? <laughs> Who doesn't? Really, be honest with yourselves. Everybody Especially when somebody's talking particularly loud and it's a very interesting right. conversation. You just couldn't help but overhear the table that was like six feet away from us. Yeah, yeah. And it was like a two-part conversation, right? Right, right. Okay. First of all, let's set the stage. Okay. Who was at the table? There was uh, a, a one woman, a white woman. She was maybe in her 60s. And another white guy, I'm assuming it was her husband. Uh, he also seemed to be about the same age. Mm-hmm. And then there was a also a similar aged black gentleman with right. them. And then there was a young... Probably like in his mid-30s, maybe? No, the black guy was like maybe 50s. Oh, was he? Okay. Yeah. Gray hair, so... Yeah, yeah. Um, and then the younger guy was... Uh, I'm thinking maybe his maybe their son, and he was maybe in his early 30s. Yeah, yeah. So I he would guess. be like a millennial. You, you, t- you tell me. I don't know what the <laughs> definitions are. Oh, I know. Are. <laughs> I know. Millennial, Generation X, Generation Y. It's, it's a whole alphabet, and I don't really understand a whole lot of it. Right, but, but they're definitely, he was not a boomer, let's put it that yeah, way. Yeah. <laughs> so here we are. We're sitting in the diner, and what's the first thing that you hear? Well, the first thing is the, the woman says, oh, you know, I ran into my friend Mabel. I haven't seen her in eight, nine months, maybe a year. And boy, did she look great. She lost a whole lot of weight. And she gave me her recipe and for, for this, how she did it. And it was a, a green kale smoothie thing that uh, she Because concocted. nothing <laughs> satisfies like a green kale smoothie. Well, I, I say if it's green, it's not meant to be drunk. <laughs> <laughs> well, Except may, it's absinthe, maybe. Green, maybe. <laughs> or, or green beer on St. Patrick's Okay, Day. Well, we'll go with that. Okay. <laughs> but uh, anyway... So she's she's talking about the, you know this woman's concoction and everything. Yeah. And then the know-it-all husband has to pipe up. That's ridiculous. That's a load of crap. I'm telling you, the only way you lose weight is calories in versus calories out. That's it. It's simple. Anybody who wants to lose weight could do it. You just have to monitor your calories. That's it. Don't be ridiculous there. Now Maureen and I are sitting there hearing this. And each of us has fought the battle of the bulge most of our lives. Of course. And I think 
for me, maybe to a more winning degree for you, a, a less winning degree. I mean, it's been a real struggle yeah, for you. Yeah. I mean, you've, you've even been on diets where, what did they have you once? Like 800 calories a day once or something on one of those diets? About a thousand. About a thousand calories a day. And you, you lost weight by like, what, about 35, 40 mm-hmm. pounds. And then it plateaued. Right. And it went back up again. Right. And you made no changes in what you were right. eating. Right. And I was exercising and doing all the things you're supposed yeah. to do, yeah. and it, it didn't work. So it, it doesn't always work. Right. So I'm here in the sky, right? Yeah. And, and I'm ready to like practically jump out of my seat and say, no. <laughs> but I'm being good. I'm, I'm you know, just sitting there minding my own business and listening to the conversation. So then there was a TV going in the diner and the uh, news story comes on about the trial of of, uh, Chauvin. Derek Chauvin, yeah, yeah. who murdered uh, George George Floyd. Floyd. And his his, his trial was, was, you know, ongoing at the time when we were there. And that sparked the conversation to turn towards... All things it got <laughs> a little heated because the the younger guy sitting there, whom I will assume is their son or something, mm-hmm. is saying he's shaking his head, and he's saying what I think the bulk of America, I would hope, I is hope, saying yeah. this was a murder. This was nine minutes and twenty nine seconds of really depraved indifference, and I use that as my own description. Mm-hmm. I know it's a legal term and I'm not a lawyer and I may not even be using it correctly, but what I saw on that screen was pretty depraved and the officer seemed to be pretty indifferent yeah, he that a man care. was dying under his knee. Right, right. So to me, that's depraved indifference. That that sounds good to me. And so this this young man was like really fired up and you know, Derek Chauvin is that they should find this guy guilty, of course, which they did. And he's like he should never be allowed to be a police officer again. In fact, he should spend the rest of his days in prison because he is a murderer. That was his take on it. Absolutely. Then, then <laughs> they, we call them the political pundits. Uh, they're yeah, here's, they're opposing here's, here's where it got. Here's where it went off the rail and got stupid. So the old lady, older lady, <laughs> I shouldn't say old lady, she's probably my age. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but she acted like an old lady. Yeah. And uh, she starts with, well, you know, he was no choir boy. And, uh, you know, it, it, might, it was bad that, that that happened. But, you know, it would have happened anyway because them kind, they're, they're, they're no good. No, they're bad apples. They're bad seeds. They're forever going to be bad. And uh, they... they they deserve. He got what he deserved. He had a police record. He had a police record. I think he. I think it was in jail like eight times or something. Mm-hmm. Bottom line is that didn't qualify him for the death penalty, which Derek Chauvin administered. Yeah, yeah. You know, you don't go as far as I know. There isn't anything in the penal code that says you become uh, you get executed for passing a, a phony bill. And you don't get executed without a trial either. Yeah. 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 I mean, <laughs> and the poor store owner, the poor store owner was like, if I knew it was going to go down this oh, way, yeah. I never would have called the cops. Yeah. I yeah. never would have called the cops. You poor know, guy. That's, that's, 
that's a lot of weight to carry on your on your shoulders. Yeah. Um, he anyway, thought he was doing the right thing. Yeah. You know, somebody passed him a phony buck and he called the cop. Who the hell thought it was going to wind up at a guy being murdered? No, absolutely not. But this this woman was just railing on and on about, uh, you know, how this guy, how George Floyd was no darn good and you know he Never got what would. he got what was coming to Never him would be any good yeah, yeah. you know yeah. uh so that that was where the conversation was started to derail eventually it got so heated that the young guy that that was you know on the <laughs> the good guy in this yeah scenario yeah. he got up and walked out on them yeah he's like i can't i can't hear any more of this I'm right. done. I'm out of here. Right. I'll, I'll see you. Right. And I, I wanted to get up and applaud at that yeah. point. Right. <laughs> you know? The thing that I thought was interesting was that the, the black gentleman right. really didn't say a whole hell of a lot no, through the he, whole he, conversation. He was pretty quiet. Um, he, he, he didn't... Uh, he didn't seem to be on either either side because I thought he would have been I on his would, feet and walking out, right? Or at least, you know, upset about the the woman's obviously racial prejudice. Yeah, and yet they were friends, so I guess she's not totally prejudiced. No, and, and they went out, and they went out as friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's the kind of thing that uh, you know you, you you listen and and it makes your head explode <laughs> if you think about it too far, and. You know, I'm sitting there and I'm hearing this conversation and it's like, wow, this is 2021 and we're hearing this kind of a conversation Mm -hmm. and clearly we're not past this in, in these United States. We are not past this. Um, We've come a ways. We've come a ways. There's been, there's been a lot of progress, but the problem is, and I think that you, you had mentioned this, you can pass all of the laws and all of the anti-discrimination legislation that you want yes but you're not going to change people's hearts you're not going to change their minds you're not going it's going to be very hard to change the way that you were raised yeah very hard to change your upbringing right and also if you were brought up in a very uh vanilla kind of setting where you didn't encounter people of color or people from different backgrounds you have nothing to go on you you know i think what what helps break the barriers is when you experience someone's kindness or someone's compassion or someone's friendship that you wouldn't have ordinarily sought out as a friend and you're surprised and that has an impact on you but if all you ever meet are people that are just like you yeah well, you have no frame of reference. No, it, and ju- it you're, just you're confirms what you are already thinking or what you have already been taught. And you know, and you see the stories on the news about you know the crimes and different things that happen, and it just reinforces your prejudicial stereotypes. Yeah, and that's not good, and and it's not going to help any. Um, I I don't know. I think the the only real hope in making any concerted change is that each generation coming on needs to be raised in a more tolerant compassionate household where these things are discussed and where they're explained and where there's a forum to you know explore what it means to to have people of color people of different genders people of different races 
living together. Different, different cultural backgrounds. Different, right, yeah. and, and living together. And, uh, and until that happens, you could pass all the laws that you want. And the, the laws are good, too, because it does provide some kind of a penalty for the really egregious acts that take place. But the little things that happen on a day-to-day basis in the four walls of people's homes, I, there's no legislating yeah, that. Yeah. Well, you know, my folks were from Newark. And as I mentioned in a, a previous episode here on our, our podcast, I was adopted at birth. Mm-hmm. And when I was adopted, my mother and father lived in Newark. They lived on Hanford Street, 37 Hanford Street. And they owned a three-family home there. So my mom was, was the landlady. Mm-hmm. And once the court approved my adoption in 1954, they sold the house. And they moved down here to Old Bridge and Back in those days, it was all woods down here, sure. you know. And I remember asking my mom, so why did you leave Newark? This is when I was a, a teenager. Mm-hmm. Why, did, why did you leave Newark? And she said to me, Peter, I owned a three-family house in, 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 Newark, in Newark, or Newark, they say Newark, in Newark, and nobody was going to tell me who the hell I could rent to and not rent to. So you knew what that meant. Yeah. You yeah. knew what that meant. And my mom and dad were a part of the big white flight of the 1950s out of, out of cities. Mm-hmm. And they, they moved down here. And, and, you know, I hate to feel like I'm throwing my mom and dad under the bus. Because as an adopted kid, or as any kid, I couldn't have had better parents. Oh, they were great. They were the embodiment of self-sacrificial love in taking care of me and raising me. And I can't, I can't fault that. But my mother used to say to me, there's three kinds of people that you better not ever bring into my house, Peter. <laughs> you know, and as far as like dating. Yeah, yeah. And it was, they couldn't be black, although mom didn't say black. Yeah. They couldn't be Jewish, and mom didn't say Jew. <laughs> yeah. And they couldn't be Hispanic, although mom didn't say Hispanic. Yeah. And so, yeah. Yeah, my mom was Archie Bunker. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and I hate to say that because you know I adored her. Of course, of course. But she wasn't perfect, and, and dad wasn't perfect. And, and the interesting part of it was that... My mom and dad had a maid, and she was black. Mm -hmm. Her name was Emily. And actually, when we moved out of Newark Mm -hmm. down here to Old Bridge, she actually would come down for a while. And I don't know how long they retained her services, Mm -hmm. but I guess she would either drive down, or I don't even remember her, because I was very, very young. I was like maybe a year old or something, Mm -hmm. two years old. At most, yeah. So I have no recollection of her. But, uh, so, you know, it, it's kind of like, wow, you know, like I couldn't, I couldn't, uh, I could never date a woman of color, but it was okay to have one as your mate, mm. you know, and knowing my, my mom and dad, she was, I'm sure she was treated very well. I'm sure. Yeah. You know, but it's, it's just, there's just kind of like something here doesn't. Right. It, well, I think that was the case though, with a lot of the, you know, our, our parents. Yeah. You know, mine, mine were pretty prejudiced as well. Um, it, 
it wasn't always so blatantly spoken, but it was kind of like, you know, the N word was thrown around pretty freely and, uh, yeah. you know, it, it was what it was. That was the culture, you know, um, even, uh, like in our, our neighborhood, uh, you know, if somebody, if there was any inkling that, uh, a person of color might be moving in. The, the the neighbors were all bip bip bipping behind the back, and what yeah. can we do to force them out, kind of thing. And, and then the uh, for sale signs start popping up like crocuses. Yeah, yeah, and you know it, it's that kind of a it was that kind of a setting, yeah, and yeah. I, you know it's not right. And I'm, I'm glad that I kind I think I overcame it. But uh, in fact, there was a big uh, real estate firm we won't mention the name mm -hmm. uh, in our area, and we lived in Irvington, New Jersey, for 36 years before we came here to Old Bridge. And Irvington, New Jersey is predominantly black. I would say 95% now, I think, was the last, as of the last census Could be. that I it, saw. It's got to be close to that, if not. And we came down here because I wanted to come home to Madison Park, where I grew up and was raised, and it was very important to me to come home again. And also because Maureen has mobility challenges, it was important to us to get a ranch-type home where everything was on right. one level. So this really checked two boxes. Right, and the and the prices down here were more reasonable. And the prices than, were than up north than they you were know? up in, in North Jersey. So that's how we we wound up back back here again. Right, right. But it had nothing to do with you know. And, and the thing that kind of bothers me is because we did leave. I've I had people who say to me, "Oh, I'm so happy for you. You finally got out of there." Yeah. And that was not the problem, you know? No, it it really was not it wasn't the primary reason that that we got out of there. Yeah. Although uh, you know, we heard it for all the 36 years that we were there, if we oh. had a penny for every time somebody said this to us, we'd, uh, we'd be, be sending you a a Beautiful picture postcard from our place in Key West. Yeah, you know, Bermuda or something. People, people would say to us, well, I used to live there, but I got out. Yeah, and thereby dot, 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 put yeah. the dots together, and you're a fool for staying for there. Staying. Yeah. And it was very insulting. It was insulting, and, and it was hard to, it, it, houses there were a hard sell back in the day yeah yeah i mean at one point we did try to sell yeah and again it had nothing to do how many with years the... ago was that that we we tried to sell well the, sean the first was time. like 10 ish so over 30 years ago yeah so i mean we were there maybe five six years that was yeah. our plan was originally to to stay there maybe six years seven years and then you know try to move to a, save, a save up our money save up our money and you know get something and else and at that point uh we put the house on the market and it was set on the market for like a year and a half. And we got like maybe two offers, low and, ball offers. And they too. were really low, I really mean, low. I mean, it, to was, the, it was to the point it was lower than what we paid for the house. There's the one time I, I remember I said to the realtor, I said, here's your coat, <laughs> put your hat on yeah. and get the hell out of my house. I yeah. was so offended by this low ball. Well, offer. he's, you know, if he gets an offer, he's, he has to, he, he has to present it. He has I to know. present it. I but, I, I just, you know, we weren't even being difficult. It was less money than what we paid for the house. So there yeah. was no way we could even make it work if we wanted to. And yet, a little over a year ago, we put the house up for sale. And in two days, it sold. It sold in two days and for like uh, $10,000 over the asking price yeah. or something. Yeah, so, so I mean, it, 
that shows you how things yeah, change. The market has changed. Yeah, the market yeah. has changed a lot. So uh, that you know that was that was our our experience. Yeah, that was our uh, our conversation overheard at the diner, <laughs> and it, and it kind of led to us putting this show together. Yeah, because uh, you know we we talked about it afterwards. Did you hear? Did, when he, you know, because Pete and I are listening, and now we're not talking to each other. We're too busy listening to the thing. So then the ride on the car, the car ride home was like. Did you hear yeah, that? Did you did, hear did, what did I, she did? Did she really say that? Yeah. 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 Did you see that guy get up and walk out? Wow. <laughs> So the bottom line here is if you're ever in a diner and you see us come in, keep your mouth shut. <laughs> Just talk softly if you don't want us to, <laughs> to listen. And now it's time for us to unveil a brand new feature here on the Sonic Boomers okay. podcast. <laughs> oh, well, that wasn't supposed to happen. That, you know what I did? Shame you on me. the wrong button. I, I didn't switch over to the new sound profiles. Let's do that again. Okay. And now it's time for us to introduce... <laughs> And you've worked in radio how many decades, Peter? It is time for us to introduce our new feature. That's better. <laughs> it's time for our Baby Boomer Trivia Question. Every week, Maureen and I are going to pull a question out of the Trivial Pursuit Baby Boomers box, and we will try to stump one another. And if you've never played Trivial Pursuit, do they even have it in the stores anymore? I think so. I hope so. I think so. You got to get it. You got to get it, man. It is hours of fun with your family and friends. We've had so much fun playing that over the years. Okay. You ready? I guess so. Are you going to hit me first no, with go the ahead. question? You go ahead. I'm still All looking right. at see. this. Let me see what decide. I got here. What else I got? Okay. Here we go. This is from the television category. What does, or what did, I guess now, what did Johnny Carson sometimes have on both ends of his pencil? Okay, those of you listening at home or watching on Facebook, play along with us. The question is, what did Johnny Carson sometimes have on both ends of his pencil? Your time begins now. I don't know. What about, I guess I would guess an eraser. Let me go and look at the answer. Right, you are. All right. An eraser. <laughs> I figured it had to either be a point or an eraser. Yeah, an eraser, eraser. on each end of the, I don't know why. Probably just. Oh, you know what he used to, I think he used to like bounce the pencil. He used oh, to like spin yes. it around and bounce yeah, it. do things like that, and, yeah. and having the eraser on each it end would allow bounce. him to, to bounce it off the desk. Okay. I'll bet that's what that maybe. was. And maybe also it was quiet because you don't want the, the noise picked up yeah. in the microphones. Wow. You know? Wow. I'm impressed. Okay. Well, I'm impressed that you got that. Well, since you gave me a TV, I'm going to give you a TV one, okay. okay? Where did the Coneheads tell everybody they were from on NBC's Saturday night. Oh, I know this. You do. I think I know. Okay. That. Hit hit the music anyway. Watch this. <laughs> Watch that. Watch me take this. I hope you're wrong. <laughs> they were from Beldar. No. What? Well, at least not according to this card. Re no. It says France. Really? Maybe they were from Baldar, but they told everybody they were from France. Because the question says, where did the Coneheads tell everybody they were from? 
So maybe that's the key to it. Oh, man. Yeah, that, that was That was painful. <laughs> wow. Wow. Epic fail on that one. I can't believe I messed that one up. Holy mackerel. Well, I was so well, pride, <laughs> pride goeth before a fall, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, I guess so. Wow. Well, that, that's uh, something we can look forward to next week. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have another question toward uh, the end of the show next week. By the way, if you want to send us comments about uh, the new title for the show or comments about the show in general or uh, suggestions for future shows, we have a brand new email address which is Sonic Boomers, it's one word, sonicboomers at protonmail.com. Oh. P-R-O-T-O-N. Sonic Boomers, one word, at protonmail.com. Oh, I didn't even know that. And we <laughs> promise that we will write back to you, too. So that's going to do it for this week's edition of the Sonic Boomers. We'll be here again next week to sound off on another topic that we pull off the top of our heads. Or you know somewhere else. Until then, I am Pete Toriello. And I'm Maureen Toriello. Goodbye. God bless you. Thank you. Thank Thank you you for for listening. listening.